glory, all the glory must be to the Lord. Ha! For he is worthy of a praise. No man on earth should give glory to himself. All the glory must be to the Lord. And so, Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the adoration. We thank you for a meeting like this. We thank you for a time like this. We thank you because you have brought us together to fellowship with you, to learn of you, to grow with you. And so, Father, we say thank you for this. We say be thou exalted in the name of Jesus. As we have come to learn of you, Holy Spirit, speak to us, the Savior, in the name of Jesus. Speak to us through your word, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit this evening. Have our way in our midst. Have your way in our midst, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Teach us. Speak to us. In the name of Jesus. Even as we learn to partner with God. Speak to us. In the name of Jesus. For in Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Praise God. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. Today we want to consider the issue of sin. The issue of sin. We have a long way to go. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to help us to move as fast as possible because we still have to pray. We must pray. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. You see, there are many concepts in the Bible. Let me put it that way. Many concepts in the scripture that believers are too familiar with to understand. Did we hear me correctly? We are too familiar with these concepts, too familiar with these issues, to understand them. And instead of seeking knowledge and clarity regarding these things, we have chosen to be religious about it. You know, recently I was speaking in a class and I was just in the class. And one of the students opposed me adding God to my name. I told the student that my name is God. Adekule Olambiwon. I, I, I don't. I, I think it was another person that introduced me like that. And the lady was like, "No, how can you add God to your name?" Praise God. I, I'm sharing this because it's a very focal point for us to get to get to understand that we can misunderstand some things. And I asked her, "Why not?" And then she said, "How can you add God to your name? God is God." I said, "Wow." I then asked her a simple question. Do you carry the name of your father? Praise God. Who fathered you? Told me a father. He said, father is a pastor. Do you carry the name of your father or your official records? And of course, yes. I said, okay, so why do you now have a problem 
if I'm carrying the name of my father. Why are you? Why do you have a problem? If I am carrying the name of my father, he was like, ah, no, the name of God is too big, too hard, to your name. And I was like, calm down. I understand that you think you believe that God is God. Yes, God is God and is wonderful and is mighty. Is Jehovah? Is Yahweh? Yes. But at the same time, He is Father to me. So many times, because we don't understand the term Father. We misunderstand our status as sons of God. He is father to me. You need to begin to approach God on the basis that he is father and not just because he is God. See, when we miss out the status of being sons of God, we begin to approach God as slaves. And then he puts us into a scenario when we begin to seek the mercy of God when we are meant to enjoy his grace. What am I saying? I am saying if you don't understand your status, common words as I am a son of God can be, can be, uh, you know, can be cagey for you. I ask that. If you are, a, do you believe that you are a son of God? She said, yes, I am a son of God. All right, good. Now, if you are a son of God, God means God is your father. Now, do you think your father would mind having his name? I mean, adding you, adding his name to your own name. As if the name was the big deal. When he has given you his life. <laughs> Hallelujah. If God can give you his life, will you be told his name? Praise God. Praise God. I don't know why I started from that angle, but just take it like that. Notice that if God did not withhold his life from you, he will not withhold his name. Praise God. So what I'm saying in essence is this, that if God does not mind giving you his life, giving you his son, please don't think he will mind if you add his name to your name. That is, if you decide to do it literally and say, my name is God, so, 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 there is no problem. God will not mind. It is religious fanatics that we mind. So, one of such issues that we do not fully understand is the issue of being a son of God. A son of a person carries the DNA of the person, carries the life of the person, carries the attributes of that person. The child of a monkey will be a monkey. The child of a lion will be a what? A lion. A son of the most high God will be a what? The son of the most high God. Hallelujah. In appearance is like the most high God. This might be difficult for us to, you know, to take into our bodies. I understand. With time, you understand me. With time. This is why the Bible uses strong languages such as Gal- in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. As many of you that are put on Christ has been baptized into Christ. The Bible looks at you and says, You are complete in Him who is the head of all principalities and powers. The Bible looks at you and says, All of us 
have become members of one body with Christ. It is not like Christ is there, I am here. We are all members of one body. That means we share the same essence with Christ. And you are scared to carry his name. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 6. Verse 23. Praise God. I'll be reading all scriptures on my end to avoid interruptions. So please don't worry. Romans chapter 6. Mabendra Nabash Karumbede Bekara Sombari Shatariha. Thank you, Father. Maki Kasure Bilabadim Barabashi Kandi Baratondre Mekele. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Now, it says, For the wages of sin is death. Let's go. For the wages of sin is death. But it says, For the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We see, praise God. Hallelujah. The gift of God is eternal life that is made available in Christ Jesus. So this thing, God's sin, uh, I'm sure we are familiar with this scripture one way or another. This thing called sin, comes a lot with its own set of consequences. In fact, the belief is that the problem between God and man is sin. Time will not allow us to read some scriptures, but we can find the origin of sin in Genesis chapter 1, from verse 15 to 17. We can find the origin of sin. When God created man originally, we must understand that when God created Adam, he created Adam not just in his own image. He gave Adam his life. He gave Adam his life. Hallelujah. And so, when God told Adam not to do something or to not to do the other, he was given a clear instruction to Adam. Please give me a moment. Praise God. And the word of God now. I was saying, God gave clear instructions to Adam. And so, when he did this, when he disobeyed, Hallelujah. That led to sin. I'm so familiar with this, so we might not need to um, really dwell much on it. But we must see something in Genesis chapter 13. 
You see, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, The weight of sin is death. But we must understand what sin is. Because many times we use the word sin and wrongdoing as the same language or term, whereas they are not the same. Praise God. We use the word sin and wrongdoing interchangeably. But they are not the same. Genesis chapter 3. From verse 13. Now, look at it here. It says, But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest you do what? Lest ye die. I know you are familiar with the scripture. If you eat of the tree here, you will die. That is the message. But you will now begin to wonder, how does eating of the fruit of the tree lead to death? Praise God. The out of eating of the tree leads to what? Death. And we look at verse 17. When it goes to verse 17, and the Lord God sent all the serpents. Because that, this is after they had head of the tree. I'm going somewhere with this. I just want you to get this carefully. I know we are we we probably know this uh, passage very well, but it's important that we are paying attention to it now. It says, verse 17. And unto Adam he said. Because thou hast echoed to the voice. Genesis, we are looking at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. Yes. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast echoed unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree. Because, because you have echoed unto the voice of your wife and has eaten of the tree. And of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cost is the ground for thy sake. Now, let's begin to draw our conclusions from this story. This means that God has given Adam an instruction before. Don't eat out of this tree. If you eat out of it, you will die. Now, God didn't say, I am, you are going to die, or you will die because you just ate it. Or because you annoyed me. Or because you angered me. No, 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 no. In fact, not one place. I, I began to study this place and I, be, I realized that not once was he mentioned that the anger of the Lord was kind against Adam and Eve. No. It was not mentioned there. God wasn't angry. Hallelujah. God wasn't what? God wasn't angry. Not even once. At least thank God you have a Bible too. And I'm not the one that wrote the Bible. Because you have done this. So it means that what, what, what brought up sin there was disobedience. What brought up sin is disobedience. So now, when we talk, when we use the language of sin, what we mean is disobedience to God of any form. 
Praise God. Any form of disobedience to God is a sin. Now, this is just about thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not eat, thou shalt not do this. Any form of disobedience. And we see that what this disobedience will lead to is what the Bible calls death. And this death is merely separation from God. It is not like physical dying, even though that is also involved. It is more of separation from God. What is called death is more of separation from God. And so when a man disobeys God, I'm trying to paint a picture for you, I hope you get it. When a man disobeys God, what he experiences is separation. Naturally, I mean, in the natural state of things now. So the language of sin is not just about disobedience. He also talks, he also considers it as the nature. Praise God. Because what is called sin, as I said earlier, is just disobedience. Originally, the source of sin is disobedience. Disobedience of that. But he gave life to another kind of sin. Another kind of sin, which is a nature, which is also referred to as death. So now, sin is both disobedience and a nature. You know, we have said earlier that um, when a king gives back to a child, it is a prince or a princess, right? Now, sin gave back to death. It can only mean that death now, or separation from God, is an offspring of sin. Do we understand? It can only mean that death is an offspring of sin. So now let's begin to let's begin to tie things up. One that sin is not just disobedience to God of any form, right, but also a nature. So the problem between God and man was not the sin and the form of disobedience. Pay attention now. The problem between God and Adam. Between God and Adam was sin in the form of disobedience. Now, the problem that existed after Adam died was not the disobedience any longer, but the nature of the children of Adam, which is death. So
Let's go. The original problem between Adam and Eve and God that could not make them relate as one any longer. Because the Bible makes us understand that God will come into the garden and they would relate as one. Now, the reason they could no longer relate with God as one any longer was because they disobeyed. Now, that was not the problem between God, Abel, and Cain. Mm-mm. That, the, that, that, that disobedience was no longer the problem between God and man for that sake. For that matter, after Adam had passed, the problem between God and man now was the nature in man. What sin gave birth to that day, which is called death, was the problem between God and man. That is why for many times before, um, before the time of Noah, men committed all kinds of evil. Men committed all kinds of evil. But still, God did not deliberately out of anger decide to kill anybody. Because sincerely speaking, it is not about the wrongdoing they are doing. It's about the nature. We can talk about the wrongdoing they did later. Let's first talk about the nature. Praise God. Is somebody getting the point we're saying here? Let's let's look at this video again. Romans chapter 5. We'll see what uh we'll see how serious the issue of sin is and how a believer should approach it. Romans chapter 5, from verse 12 to 13. Romans 5, 12 and 13. Romans 5, from verse 12 to 13. It says, Wherefore, now, as by one man sin entered into the world, as by one man death produced sin, sorry, sin produced death. As by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. He says, now, the problem was that death passed upon all men. Notice, he didn't say sin passed upon all men. Praise God. If you have the Bible, you can read along with me. It says, wherefore as by one man, that is Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. We can get it now. Sin first. Death now, not sin, passed on to all men. And because of the nature of death that passed on to all men, they are all sinners. They are all sinners. It is not because they have done anything wrong. By natural default, they are sinners. Because of the nature in them. Now, now hear what verse 13 is saying. Verse 13 now says, until the law. The reason, the reason it was not about sin was that until the law, before the law came, the law came as a result of the Abrahamic, Abraham, as a result of the covenant between Abraham and God. Now, he said, until the law, sin was in the world. Praise God. Before the law came, sin was the world. People were making mistakes. They were doing wrongdoings. They were killers, liars, rapists, you mentioned it, all kinds of people. 
But the Bible says because there was no law written anywhere for any purpose. And it now says God is not imputing sin into them. Praise God. Until the law. Sin is in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. So even though sin was not being accounted, so it means that even then, before Noah came, praise God, people were committing mistakes, God was not counting it on their necks. People were making mistakes. God was not counting it on their necks. It was not counting it. It was not counting it. In fact, time will not allow us to look at the scriptures. We will see that even in the time of Noah, God had to find a way to create a justification system so that the people that are going to you know, start a new world, we have to be obedi- obedient to that system. So in the time of Noah, it, it, there was no law, but God had to find a way to judge God. And then he said, Noah, begin to preach what I have told you, that I will come and take away this world. If anybody obeys what you are, all you are, all you are saying, then they are going to be saved. That became the law. And that law judged the rest of the world. It didn't matter how many people survived. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. God wanted to take out entirely Sodom and Gomorrah. But if people had cried against the city, there was no law. People had naturally cried against the city. Time will not allow us to read the scripture concerning this story too. People had naturally cried to God regarding, regarding it, but God was not counting sin. And then God said, okay, one day. You, you know, you, you begin to wonder that how come God said something that one day that I will come down myself and behold the city and see if the reports and cries against it are true or not. You'll be wondering, but God is in heaven. He can see all things. He knows all things. Why is God saying he will come down, come and check? If people that are crying against the city are, are not lying in the first place. What God is saying is that I will come down and create a means to judge these people. And when he came down, he sent people down. And the people of the city did exactly to the person he sent down, to the angel he sent down, actually, without them knowing. They did exactly the same thing they used to do to the angel he sent down, to the angels he sent down. And guess what? The only person that was saved was the man that did contrary to the entire city, which was Lot. You will find it interesting that God told Abraham, God, there's a reason we are looking at this thing, so that we can understand that God has a justification system, even before the Lord Jesus came. If there was a justification system, then there is a justification system now. Hallelujah. God said, Should I, will I be doing something in this world and not telling Abraham about it? There's a reason. God wanted him and Abraham to decide how they would judge these people. And so when God told Abraham about it, Abraham said, Oh, ah, will you destroy a whole city for 50 people? Ah, ah, far be it 
So that if you find 50 people righteous in that city, will you destroy the whole city along with them? But be hid from you that the, the judge of the world will not be just. And he can continue that manner. He continued to continue until he got to 10. And guess what? Abraham and God agreed that if there were 10 people in that place, God will spare the whole city. Look at the justification system. And when they got into the city, indeed, there was less than 10 people that were righteous. Hallelujah. There were less than 10 people that are righteous. And because of this, the whole city perished. Our God is not just, uh, it's not just, uh, how do you pray now? It's not just a God per se, he's a lawgiver. So now, pay attention. What we are saying is that without law, there is no consequences for disobedience. So every time there needs to be judgment, God creates a system that stands as law. The Israelites receive the law, not because God just wants to give them a law. No, they receive the law because there is to be a covenant between them and God. And this covenant requires that the nature in them is taken care of temporarily. It says, without law, there is no consequences for disobedience. Now, once there are laws, consequences are in place. This is what it means for even the everyday believer now. I mean the believer in Christ. Once you have heard the instruction of God concerning a thing and you refuse to obey it, there are consequences. To God. Now, it is not like God is now deliberately punishing you now. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Because his word is not just a law. But also a justification system. It is what is going to determine whether you promote or you don't. That's why chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 refers to it as whom we have to do. Another version says, whom we have to give accounts to. It's what? So when you hear a preaching regarding, especially that as the as instructions on the word, that's why I keep to t- I keep telling us in this place that every time you hear instructions or clear instructions in the scriptures it is better you hold on to it because now you have heard it god expects you to live by it there are consequences for you living by it see the other truth is this that if you are still a baby christian there are some things that god will allow you to experience because you have not grown or you have not heard the gospel about it the day you hear the gospel about it Hello, God will not allow you to be doing it the way you used to do it before. Praise God. There are consequences. 
You might read the scriptures for further study. Time will not allow us. Genesis chapter 7. You can read the whole chapter. Genesis chapter 7. You can read the whole chapter. Praise God. Right, let's move faster. We have a lot of scriptures to still read. And this is 19. So we must understand that the problem between God and man. Sincerely, it seems like we are preaching sin today, but we are not. I have come to share a wonderful news for us. I'm just trying to help you create the backdrop. The problem between God and man after Adam is the nature in man. Or say, was the nature in man. That's why despite the fact that the Israelites were the chosen people of God, they could not continually live without sin. Why? Because the nature of them is death. Death perpetuates sin. Because it is sin, ah, praise God, hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Because it is sin that gave birth to death. Death will perpetuate it. Because it is life that gives to abundance in Christ Jesus. The abundance in Christ Jesus will perpetuate life. It is simple, really. When we understand these things, we understand how this is why rivers of living water will come out of belly. Because what the nature in you produces, praise God, what the nature in you produces, oh sorry, what produces the nature in you, the nature in you perpetuates. Yeah, that's what I want to say. What produces the nature in you? The nature in you will perpetuate it. If it is the power of God, hmm, the divine operation of God, that perpetuated the nature in you, that gave back to the nature in you, which is life, all right? Then the nature in you will perpetuate life or perpetuate the power of God. Now, if you are born of flesh, so it means that the nature in you is dead. That death to perpetuate sin. It is this understanding that Apostle John had when he said that he that is begotten of God cannot sin. Because his sin remaineth in him. We're going somewhere. So if the problem was the nature, hello, man, hello, sir. The bulls and goats cannot take away the sin. The problem was not the behavior. God gave the Israelites a very simple process signifying Christ. We have examined this process in the past. Hebrews chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9. The blood of the Lamb. You can find that teaching in our previous episodes. It's, it's, it's even in this group. God showed them a simple way to do it. But he could not take, away, take care of the problem of their nature. And so God now said, okay, so the problem is that I'll find a permanent solution. And so John 16 proclaims the good news that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Look at me. The Bible says, does not say God, for God so loved Christians and hated Muslims. Or for God so loved Gentiles and did no longer like Israelites. Or for God so loved Europeans and forgot Africans. Or for God so loved Africans and made Europeans second class citizens. No, 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 no. The Bible never said anything of such. 
He said, for God so loved the entire world. It means that the entire world was lost to God. The whole world was separated from God. But God loved the whole world. And what he did was to give his only begotten son. Now, hear the Bible. That whosoever believeth on this begotten son will no longer perish. But have what? Eternal life. There's a difference. That whosoever believeth on the son will not perish, but have eternal life. What God is saying is, this is my solution, man. Listen to me, man. If you want to walk with me and come back to your original status, believe on this guy that I gave to you. If you believe on him, I will swap the death in you for the life in him. It's like we didn't hear that one. This is what is called the gospel. So when God gave birth to you, praise God, when you, you became a believer in Christ, what happened is that God gave birth to you. It did not happen physically, so that is the problem. Since you did not see it, it became an issue of whether it happened or not. I get it. What happened was that God gave back to you. John chapter 1 verse 12 uses another language. We have a lot of scriptures to read. John 1 12 uses another language. It says, As many as see him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now, there is, I know there is a, there is a part of the scripture that talks about adoption. It does not mean adoption. God does not adopt. So hear me again. It is not like God adopted you. He gave that to you. Praise God. See, it is, this is so important into understanding how you are going to deal with the problem of sin. The day you receive the Lord Jesus, hear me, you are no longer a sinner. Even if you just lied yesterday. I mean, even if you just lie this evening, it doesn't make you a sinner. A sinner is someone that is a carrier of the nature of sin. Ah, it's like these people are sleeping. Praise God. You are not a sinner. I think first Peter chapter 1 says from verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has begotten us again. He has begotten us again. This is what it means to be born again. That God gave back to you. Can somebody say, God gave birth to me? It is not like he adopted me. He gave birth to me. 
John chapter 1 verse 29. We have a lot of scriptures to read, we just have to rush. But hear what I'm saying this evening. That when you receive the Lord Jesus, and so if you have not received the Lord Jesus, this is what you are playing with. It is not about church, oh. It's not about I was born in church, I've been going to church for a long time. Come on, those things are they are play. As many as received him. So the question is, did you receive him? It is not driver by my mommy or my daddy is a pastor. I was born into a church. See, that's not what we're talking about. Did you pass? Because Christianity is not a, a is not an association journey. It's a personal journey. God did not begot all of us together. He begotten us one by one. So you can't be begotten of God just by associating that people by with people that are begotten of God. Are we together? Just by associating with people that are begotten of God, it can't make you begotten of God. You have to experience Jesus for yourself. You have to believe him. To them he gave power. John 1, 29. Praise God. Let me read, let, let's quickly read that scripture. John chapter 1 and verse 29. The gospel according to St. John chapter 1 and verse 29. Aha! Praise God. It says, Behold, the next day, John the Baptist saw the Lord Jesus coming unto him and said, Hold on. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, I am telling you again that if you allow the devil to tell you or lie to you that the problem between you and God now is sin, you have just allowed it. John the Baptist saw the Lord Jesus said, Behold, see the Lamb of God that God has sent to take away the sin of the world. So what the Lord Jesus did was to come and take away the sin, the nature. Don't forget that it was not the disobedience that is the problem with the, the everyday man now. The disobedience was the problem between God and Adam, yes. But now, the problem between the children of Adam down, even down to you now, before you receive the Lord Jesus, was no longer this disobedience, but the nature. And so the Lord Jesus came and took away this nature. Praise God. All of the sins of the world are already forgiven in Christ Jesus. This is a deep mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations. All of the sins of the world, including the sins of my great-grandchildren that are yet unborn, they are already forgiven in Christ Jesus. What this means is that if they they come into Christ Jesus, not if now, when they come into Christ Jesus, these sins are forgiven. If they do not come into Christ Jesus, the sins will remain. So, now, you are letting the devil tell you that sin is the problem. 
because you are walking in the flesh. And so it's looking like the sins are remaining. Is somebody listening to me? Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the same in light. Who has translated us from the power and authority of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. Now look here. God did not just forgive you your sins. No. The issue here is not you did not receive forgiveness of sins. That's small. What you receive is called remission of sins. Hallelujah. What you received is called what? Remission of sins. It is not about forgiveness. It is remission. To forgive means that to overlook. It is still there, but you have overlooked it. But to remit is different. To remit means to pay the full price of something. And so make it happen as if it never happened. With forgiveness, we can still see traces. We can forgive and not forget. But with remission, there are no traces. Praise God. So, he didn't just do that. He translated us into a new kingdom. Now, this is it. So that we don't misunderstand things. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. If you use another English to um, say that chapter, Colossians 1, 12, it's saying that we should be giving thanks to our Father, who has counted us, or say, qualified us to share in the inheritance of his children. Now, he didn't just do that. He now took us from a previous kingdom that we were under. That is the kingdom of darkness, run by death. He now took us into a new kingdom. That is the kingdom of his dear son, run by the life of God. So in the kingdom of darkness, what qualifies a man to be part of that kingdom is the nature of death in him. Now hear me. In the kingdom of light, what qualifies a man to be in this kingdom is the life in him. So, children of darkness manifest as darkness. Hear me. Children of light automatically manifest as what? Light. Praise God. Ha! Praise God now. This is important for us to understand. We still have quite a long way. Colossians 2.14, it says that Christ has blotted out ordinances that were contrary to us, which were against us, and he has nailed them to the cross. He has nailed them. 
these scriptures confirm many things that look here that jesus did not just die for your sin he remitted them that's the most important thing you should take away now after jesus has remitted those sins you have now been translated to a new kingdom and don't forget we have said this that our father is a lawgiver one and that is what is a justification system. In other words, his word is law. Mm-hmm. So, is there still sin in the kingdom of light? Yes. But in this case, it is not sin as a nature, but sin as a disobedience. It is not seen as a form of nature, but seen as a form of disobedience. But glory to God. In the kingdom of God, there are two kinds of sin that you can see. There is the sin not unto death, and there is the sin unto death. There is a sin that can lead you to separation from God. That's what we're saying. And there is a sin that God, that God will not even bother talking about it. But there is a particular one. There are, there are certain things you can do that will lead to separation from God. And of course, the sin that will lead to separation from God is to separate yourself from God. First John chapter 2, verse 2. First John chapter 2 and verse 2. Now, let's start with verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. This scripture is written to the beloved. It's written to you. That you should not sin. So, it's still possible for you to commit wrongdoings in the kingdom. But it is not about you being a sinner. Mm-mm. He says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 9. We are looking at these scriptures so that we can get Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. Hebrews 9 verse 22. It says, and almost all things are forged by the law with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Because we've been saying how did we have been talking about how the Lord Jesus remitted your sins sins. We we're talking about the fact that your sins are remitted. But we didn't say how. Praise God. You might want to read this for further study at home. Hebrews chapter chapter 9, from verse 22 to 28. Let's just read. Verse 23. It is therefore necessary 
that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with this, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than this. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But he says, but now, once in the end of the world had he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it is appointed unto men to die. Once. After this, the judgment. He says, so then Christ was once offered to bear the sins of men. And now, unto them that look for him that he appeared upon them without Listen to me. Sin is not the problem between you and God. The bottom, I want you to hold on to this truth. Now, if you believe the word of God, it is liberating. It can liberate you. Sin is not the problem between you and God. Not any longer. We have said that there is only one sin that can cause a serious issue and there is no repentance from that one. And that is separation from God. That is deliberately, willfully now separating yourself from God. Now these things this kind of sin cannot be committed by in a very cannot be committed by a baby believer. There are at least five qualifications for you to be able to commit this sin. There are at least five qualifications. And all of them means that you have grown in the spirit. Part of them is that you are able, you have tasted of the Lord Jesus. You are able to tell left from right, even with the scriptures. You have been manifesting the powers of God through the Holy Spirit in you. They are not, it is not a sin that a baby Christian can commit. Praise God. But besides that, no, no kind of sin. Can be the problem between you and God. I'm being honest with you. Jesus has taken away the problem. I'm not giving you a license to sin. I'm telling you the reality as it is. Now, you now need to grow in the spirit. Because naturally, as a child of God, you should not disobey your father. Uh-huh. Because now you now know that what is called sin now is disobedience to your father. In this kingdom. And naturally, as a child that is properly taught, you should not disobey your father. This is where the issue of training comes in. And this is why Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now the child, as long as he's a, is a, now the hair, now the hair, as long as a child. Galatians 4, 1. You may want to know this down, Galatians 4, 1. 
Now the hair, as long as it's a child, it differed not from a servant, but is placed under tutors and guidance until the time appointed by the Father. The reason you have a pastor, you have an evangelist, you have people of different ministerial groups in your church is to help you grow in the spirit so that you can come from, from, from a place where you are a baby to a matured believer that you are able to crucify the flesh and walk in full obedience to your father. It is not to say they are the ones called by God and you are not called by God. No, they are there to help you grow. They are not there to handle your problems. They are there to help you grow. They can, they can pray with you fine. Your pastor can pray with you, but he's not there to solve your problem. The God that will solve the problem you seek is already in you. The responsibility of your pastor is to help you connect with the God which is in you. To teach you how to work with him. I tell you again, it is not sin that is the problem. You have just believed the devil. Romans chapter 8. We have just two more scriptures and then we'll pray and go. Romans chapter 8. Verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation. I was speaking to someone recently and I was trying to explain what condemnation means to the person. That when we say condemnation, it means a judgment has been passed on the person already. Adam disobeyed God and he entered into condemnation. It was not God that disobeyed, that condemned Adam. Hello, praise God. Adam disobeyed God. This is not, it is not God that condemned Adam. Adam disobeyed God. And so because God has spoken and his word is a justification system of his own, on his own, that justification system condemned Adam. There is therefore now no condemnation. I tell you this, that as a child of God, if you are able to grow in the word of God fast, listen to me, you should not be able to experience the things that normal human beings are experiencing. Please. You shouldn't. Because to start with, you are no longer a human being. You are a God being. Can somebody say I'm a God being? There is therefore now no condemnation. You know what this means for women? It means that if you are a God being, you can have children without child labor, without laboring. But when you are about to have your own child, other women might be crying, might be in labor for a day, you know, half a day, but your own can just come out in peace. You know what? Because a labor, laboring now, before a child is given birth to, is a cause of the law. It's not the original plan of God. And you are no longer under that cause of the law. And so, if you are able, 
to learn these truths from the scriptures and believe it. You will not experience that labor. And you have a direct path. Many, many things like that. Time will not allow us. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I tell you again, the problem isn't what? When the Bible says there is no condemnation, please hear me. There is no what? Condemnation. Now, there is something that can lead to condemnation. It says, for the law of the spirit of... You can see that it is law that replaced law. Hallelujah. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of the sin and death. So, God didn't come. I mean, Jesus didn't come and just say, you should bother. No, he said, come unto me, all you that are heavy, every lady, and I will give you rest. He says, learn of me. For my yoke is easy. I have come to give you an easier thing to bear. The Bible says what's going to set you free is not prayers. It's not fasting. The law of the spirit of life. It is a law that has replaced the what? A law. Now, if you break the law of the spirit of life, you are likely to experience condemnation. Now, it is not God that condemned you. It is not Jesus that condemned you. It is not even the devil that is so powerful. You have just been the one disobedient to the word. And so many times, the things that we have attributed to the devil in church, the things we have said is the devil that is at work, is the devil that is doing doing this or that, is simply the result of our own disobedience to the word of God. Let's not misunderstand things. Satan is a defeated enemy. A disgraced one. You can imagine. He is both defeated and disgraced. He's not as powerful as, sincerely speaking, as we have taught him to be. It is our disobedience to the world that causes condemnation most of the time. Listen to me. You will notice that it is not Satan that caused the ground for Adam's sake. It is not Satan that caused um, Eve with labor. Mm-mm. Now look at me here. You, this might be a bit too taking. It is not God that caused the land for Adam's sake. It is not God that caused Eve I said she will have labor. God just told them what is going to happen. It didn't cost them. He says, cost is the land for your sake. Cost, fast tense. That because you have done this, this is the result you are going to experience. It's not like I want to deliberately do it, but because you have disobeyed, the work that you have disobeyed is now condemning you now. This is what you experience. Praise God. When you disobey an instruction from God, whether revealed to you in the world, okay, 
or sent to you directly. Hmm? That word that you have disobeyed, you are going to give account before it. That word that you have disobeyed, you will give account. Now, your obedience or disobedience to that word will now determine whether you will promote or remain the same in your life. So your real problem is not the devil, sincerely speaking. The problem now is whether you are obedient to the word or not. Praise God. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Praise God. Has made me free. So what should you do when you make a mistake? Praise God. What should you do? We're about rounding up that last scripture. What should you do if you make a mistake? Now, we have said that sin is not a problem. But you know, there are times that sin might just force you to do some things. Or because you have not grown enough to that level, you will make a mistake. Eh? There is room for that. You can make a mistake. And there is something you can do. There is code 119 for your emergency number. There is an emergency line for you if you make a mistake. Hallelujah. That if you find yourself making a mistake, that you commit any wrongdoing, any disobedience to the word of God in any form, there is an emergency line. One, one, nine. And that is First John chapter 1, verse 9. That's our last scripture for today. First John chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, hallelujah, if we do what? He is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you find yourself committing a wrongdoing, the process to be clear of it without experiencing any condemnation, without it hindering any of your prayers, without it hindering any of your manifestations as a child of God, it's simple. It is simple to go to God, confess the sin. Eh? He is faithful and just. He will forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That instant. No stress. what Apostle John meant when he was saying that he that is born of God is pure even as he purified himself that he that is born of God purified himself even as he is pure he went on to say that he, and the wicked one does not touch him that do you want to for your conscience sake do you want to consistently stay out of the reach of the devil especially when it comes to the area of sin is to make sure that you are living your life by the word of God. When you now find yourself in disobedience to this same word, simple, that instant, confess, and you are forgiven. Oh yeah? Then go about your business. Praise God. This is so important for us to understand. Can somebody declare, I am free from sin? Sin is not the problem between me and God. 
There is no condemnation for me. In the name of Jesus. This is our last prayer for me. That there is no condemnation for me. But before we take that prayer, I want you to confess any sin, any kind of wrongdoing, disobedience to his word that you may have committed. It is time now you can confess it to God and be cleansed of it now. You can begin to take that step now. You can begin to take the step now. You can begin to take the step now.